you, Mary. Okay, so this morning we are talking uh, in the mini-series that is the Radical Church about giving and sowing, and uh, particularly giving your money to the church. This could be a really quick sermon because um, you have... I've got a whole lot of stuff here. By the way, while I'm speaking, because these are sort of opening remarks... Um, my lovely, our lovely Connect group are going to bring round a little gift for you. You may or may not think it's a gift. Anyway, they're going to give you a coin um, uh, because we're talking about money. It might be an aid memoir. It might be, uh, I'm praying that God will speak to you through this coin and I'm going to use it to talk to you about it. Well, there they are, there they are. Um, <clears throat> this could be very quick because, honestly, um, my goal is that we'd all have filled these things in that you've got on your seat and put them in this basket. And when the basket's full, we all go home. <laughs> no, it's not like that. Uh, but if you've all filled them in, I- I'll sit down and go back for lunch, actually. So... Uh, Some of you may have come in and thought, wow, this is a radical church. I mean, God is doing radical things. He is. It's a bit of a damp squib to then talk about giving money afterwards. If you're thinking that, or if you're thinking, and have you remembered, there is actually a financial crisis on, and some of us are really stretched with money. We can't make ends meet. I don't know how we're going to pay the rent, all the rest of it. I do know that, and I know that for some of us, it's really difficult at the moment, so I'm very much thinking of you. I've got you in mind, but this is the exciting thing. We need to have kingdom thinking about money. You know, Jesus spoke a lot about money. We can't just leave that as a subject out there. We've got to think how he wants us to think about money. Um, Jesus actually supernaturally paid um, Simon Peter's tax for him. He said, go and fish a fish out. You can do that. There'll be money in its mouth. And he paid his tax with it. That's a story. That's quite a good story. Anybody worried about their tax? (laughs) Um, And uh, Jesus uh, would talk about... uh, Money in his stories. He told parables, 38 apparently, 16 of them about money. That's how important he thought the subject of money was. If we can get the subject of money right, do you know, the world will be a happy place for us. That's what the first reading was all about. So if you have your coin there, has everybody got one? Uh, By the way, you will notice, (coughs) if you look along your row that um, you probably haven't got the same value coin as everybody in your row. Has anybody got a 1p? Yeah, some of you have. 2p? Yeah. Has anybody got a 20? (laughs) Always goes to those who deserve it. Uh, (laughs) uh, They are actually, those coins are the collection of uh, our family. I just went around collecting all the loose coins that they had, and I said, I want, I want us to give them to the people in church so that we can talk about money. So, 
The coin has two sides. It does not exist without the two sides. One side has a, a number on it or, or a word with a number. Okay, you know what your number is. One question we have as we come to the subject of how much do we give uh, when it comes to giving in church is how much do we give? How much? I mean, how much is right? And in this uh, story of Malachi, I'm going to see if I can make this. Oh, there we are. Uh, In this story of Malachi, you have the word a tithe. In fact, uh, just to sum up the Old Testament, one side of the story, the Old Testament reading goes like this. God says, you're really suffering in your nation because you haven't got enough money. Bring the money that you owe into the storehouse, which is like the temple, the place of worship. When you do that, God actually says, test me. I know it's going to be difficult for you, but do it. And when you do that, you will discover that you've got masses yourself. Because I will, says God, pour out blessing on you. And the whole place will be full of blessing and you will be a delightful land. That's got to be a good story. Uh, The tithe isn't a word we use nowadays, unless you've been in church for a long time, like me. Um, But it simply means tenth. And it comes from the farming community. When uh, farmers were told originally by um, Moses through God, that they should bring a tenth of their produce to the temple, to the place of worship, the tabernacle, whatever it was, and uh, that's how they would make life work. And by the time of Malachi, uh, they were not doing that. They were just going their happy way, and it didn't work. So God was saying, bring in the tenth. Now, um, how much should you write on your bit of uh, on your giving leaflet well a tenth might be a tenth of your income might be a good guideline it was a law in the old testament now it's not a law because we're under grace but a good guideline some of us have really made that work some of us like me have made it work because i got taught about it right at the beginning and right at the beginning i didn't earn that much and so giving a tenth and I didn't have very many responsibilities either. I didn't have a mortgage, a family, um, parents to look after. They were looking after themselves. You know, I, I just had the money for me. I had a car. So it wasn't that difficult, creaming a tenth of my income and giving it to the church. And that's meant that as I've gone on, it's just been a habit. So that's one thing. Some of us are coming to this thing midlife or mid-career or towards the end even of your career or you have really, you're really up against it financially. A tenth might be quite difficult for you. There's no law about the tenth. Um, But if you want to work towards the tenth, do it in stages as Andy suggested last week. Decide well, I could maybe manage 2% of my income. And then when the time comes, I'll up it to 5%. 
you get the idea. But the Bible in the Old Testament talks also about tithes and offerings. There's sort of more than a tenth. Some of us need to hear that story. In fact, I'm going to go off that. David in the Old Testament says this when he's praying. Everything, God, he said, comes from you. Everything I have comes from you. And if I give anything, it's only yours. It's almost like David has seen this thing inverted. So David sees everything belongs to God 100%. And he gives you 90%. That's quite a good deal, (laughs) if you say it that way. But that is the truth. God gives us everything. And he wants to bless us still more. Our part in it is just we give what we can and we try to give like he does. And that is the second side of the coin. So look on the second side of your coin because that's important too. And you've probably got um, a monarch's head. In my day when I was a child, I always used to look to see which monarch it was because in my day, there'd been quite a few monarchs before, but in your day now, the queen was on the throne so long that probably it's the late queen on your bit of uh, coin coinage. And I don't expect anybody's got King Charles yet because um, they're quite new. There's a monarch's head. God. This is what the New Testament sort of draws us into. When we come to the whole giving story, we need to look at who God is first. And what we discover is that God is a giver. You know, we talk about whether people are givers or takers. I've got some people I know. I know where they fall. God is a giver, and he wants us to be givers. Now, All of us, frankly, start off as takers. I mean, these gorgeous little babies we see around the place when they're born, they are takers. But we grow into becoming givers. And God wants to be formed in us as a giver. This verse, John 3.16, which I encourage you to learn off by heart because it is the summary of the whole good news gospel story. This tells us not only that God is a giver, but that he is a super, uber, generous, extravagant, reckless giver. Because he gave his only begotten son, his only son. Imagine that, those of us who are parents. I can't imagine giving away any of my children. Well, I do sometimes, but anyway, don't tell them that. (laughs) But seriously, we can't imagine just letting our children do that sort of thing. God gave his only son so that you and I can live in what the Old Testament calls a delightful land. As we live as his children, obeying him, following him, and living in his world. God, the superabundant giver, 
the extravagant giver. Now, you're sitting there thinking, it's all very well saying that, but actually, I am feeling things are very tight at the moment. Maybe you're in that place. It doesn't feel like God is super generous. And I am going to demonstrate to you this morning that that is what God is, and he wants you to come into that place of knowing that he is super generous. So... uh, What we need to do is, if you've managed to have the Bible open and look at 1 Corinthians and the um, passage that we read, you'll have noticed that it says, it says it like this, whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously, reaps generously. God gives seed to the sower and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, there's a picture here of sowing, and it's really important for us to get because this is our day-to-day proof that God is generous towards us. Probably none of us are farmers, and I'm looking around to see if I can see a lot of gardeners. Maybe not, but don't worry, because all of us are eaters. And I went shopping yesterday to demonstrate to you the sowing principle. And I've got three things that I like to eat. Maybe you do too. I have an avocado. I have a tomato. And I have a... Oh, you're all so good at exotic fruits. (laughs) Okay. God... The creator, as we were learning at the beginning of this year, made all these and many, many more things for us to enjoy. And you probably have one of them on your plate at some point, maybe this week. The story of these fruits is that God has not just given us fruits to enjoy, but God has given us fruits with seeds in. So that when those seeds are planted we get more fruits. So if you think, well, thank you, Lord, I've got uh, tomatoes for lunch today, you don't have to stop there because actually the tomatoes contain a seed that will enable you to grow more tomatoes for lunch, well, maybe not tomorrow, but next year. And if you get into the habit of giving those seeds to the soil you will find you've got a constant crop of tomatoes. Now, um, how many seeds do you think are in these things? This is the easy, basic question. How many seeds are in an avocado? Very good. How many seeds are in a tomato? Yeah, actually... Well, Google says, if you believe Google, 100 to 300. Hmm, Quite a lot. Those of you who have a compost heap and you put your uh, waste food on it, you'll know that tomatoes grow all over it because, well, the seeds are all there. How many seeds are in a pomegranate? Yeah. Thousand. Thousand. Seeds in one pomegranate. I mean... uh, I think my son is no longer in the room because he's a maths teacher. Is he anywhere? No, he's gone. He's looking after. Oh, he's a good daddy, isn't he? By the way, I give a shout-out for the fathers today because uh, I just love watching the fathers who look after their 
small children and bigger children. You're doing such a good job. Okay, let's try and do some... Yeah, thank you. Let's try and do some maths. Here is one pomegranate with a thousand seeds. If I took those thousand seeds and I planted them in the soil, I could possibly have 1,000 pomegranate trees. In 10 years, because that's how it might, long it might take for a pomegranate seed to come to fruition and give me about... Oh, I have to remember this exactly. Oh, I don't, yes, thank you. <laughs> about 1,000 pomegranates. How many pomegranates have I got? And how many seeds have I got? A big number. <laughs> a big number. <laughs> yeah. All within the space of quite a short time. That, friends, is the living proof that God is generous. I don't need that many pomegranates, but he could absolutely shower me with pomegranates. I mean, I don't actually need that many tomatoes, but he will shower me with tomatoes if I plant the seeds. Now, uh, this is two things, and then I'm sort of drawing to a close. What this says to us is this. God is into multiplication. See, when we think about money, we think about addition. If I can save this much and add this bit to it and add this bit to it and add this bit to it, then I can buy my car or my holiday or whatever it is you need. And saving, frankly, is a very good practice. It's something good that we should teach our children. By the way, it would be really good to teach our children to give to Jesus as well. Um, saving is good, but saving is like addition. God is, if we're going to have kingdom thinking about money, we need to realize God is into multiplication. And these fruits show it. I mean, I only... I don't want to denigrate the poor little avocado that's only got one seed because actually it grows the most beautiful tree with loads of avocados on it, which all have one seed. And before you know it, you could have an avocado plantation. God is into multiplication. And if we do the right thing with our money, he will multiply it. Did you notice in 1 Corinthians that it says God wants you to be rich? Would you like to be rich? And the rest of the sentence says this. God wants you to be rich so that you can be more generous. Money is for giving. God is a giver. He wants us to be like him because we're his children. And he wants us to give magnanimously, generously, abundantly. Not just, oh, well, here's two shillings. You know, my uncle used to go to church with two and sixpence in those days in his pocket, and that was for the collection, and he would wait for the sermon. If the sermon was too long or he didn't like the subject matter, he started taking sixpence off. (laughs) Sometimes the poor vicar didn't get the two and sixpence at all. (laughs) 
That's not abundant giving, friends. <laughs> Think of the tomato and the pomegranate and the avocado. God is into multiplication. He will multiply, but there is a, there's a second part to this. And the second part is, I'm going to, I'm going to give you pictures. Uh, okay, Jesus demonstrates this. Do you remember when the little boy gave his little packed lunch into the hands of Jesus and Jesus multiplied it? What I'm suggesting is we give our little packed lunch of money giving into the hands of Jesus, Jesus will multiply it. Some of it's going to come back towards us. Some of it's going to come back for our family. We're family here and we share. That's what we do. I'm sorry to sound like I'm a mother. <laughs> but Jesus demonstrated it. God is into multiplication. And this is the second thing. Jesus also said... God is into investing. Investing, not storing. Investing means you recklessly put your money onto something and hope it will grow hugely. I don't understand Bitcoin, but that sort of a thing. Jesus said there's a story, and the story is of the three of the man who goes away and leaves three servants and gives them bags of gold. One gets five bags of gold, one gets two, and one gets one. And he says, I'm coming back, and I'll get the bags of gold back. And the man with five bags of gold invests them and gets another five. The man with two bags of gold invests them, gets two more. And the man with one bag of gold stores it in the ground, apparently digs a hole in the ground so that he doesn't lose it. And when the master comes back, this is the story, he, he's really cross with the guy who stored it. I mean, he gave him his money back. I've always thought, well, it's not that bad. But you see, it's because God is an investor. He wants, to invest, um, he wants us to invest our money in the right place and see it multiply. He doesn't want us to store our money just for a rainy day. I don't know about you, but when you looked at that coin, did you sometimes think, I haven't seen one of these for a long time? <laughs> because we go around with cards. When I talk about investing money, I'm saying investing is when we give it to Jesus, just like a little boy gave his picnic to Jesus. Because Jesus will invest it and multiply it. And what I've discovered about myself is that I um, have a card. I, don't, I'm no longer, I no longer have a close relationship with my money. Every now and again, I do find I do need cash. So I store a £20 note in my purse for a rainy day. When I was um, looking at what Jesus said, don't store, invest. It may be that someone came into church this morning and thought, I just don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. I don't know how I'm going to pay the next bill. I don't know how I'm going to feed the family, whatever it was. And I have stored 20 pounds. It's quite a nice new note. And I would like to give it to anybody who came in 
to church this morning thinking that's what, that's what I'm thinking because it's not right to store. So is there anybody like that? Or are you all so wealthy that you don't need that? Thanks very much. It's multiplying already. £30. Is there anybody here who... This isn't a trick, by the way. Is there anybody that £30 would actually make a bit of a difference to? Friends, what's happening here? (laughs) Shall I tell you something that's happening? People are investing into this family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Do you remember what it says in 1 Corinthians, that God will make you rich so that you can give? of Christchurch I love this family you are all generous like God your father and I know that some of you would have come up as well and added a bit and uh, you maybe only had your card on you (laughs) like I do but this is a sign of God amongst us that God who is the radical extravagant giver gives to us so that we can give radically and extravagantly and you family are doing it and I love you for it and um, what I want us to do is to fill in the giving forms so that we make regular payments so that Andy and the staff and the leadership can get us to that place where we as a family want to be. And we need to share as well, don't we? This is what we've got our money for, that that we share. You know, if you had the 20p, you would have shared with the person with 1p next to you. I know you would, because God is being formed in you, and God is making himself known in and through you and it's a beautiful thing frankly this with kingdom thinking towards money this will become the delightful land that Malachi prophesied about and I want to be part of it I don't know about you but I'm not going (laughs) I'm not going anywhere because I want to know the Lord's blessing here and the Lord will bless each of you so let's just pray Lord, we pray for any who are like them who don't know where the next, um, the next bill is going to come from, the money for the next bill. We pray, Jesus, that you would give us your generous heart and open pockets that we would be sharing together, that no one would be in need. Thank you, Lord God, that you are being formed in us as a family, your radical generosity. And God, we want to say that as a family, we invest the money you've given us into your hands 
so that you can multiply it and we can see it and, and enjoy it and love being part of this. Jesus, you said you'd make us cheerful givers, and I already see that. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. Amen.